Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 17, The Custer Tablecloth. I'm Neil Buchan, and I'm chairman of Castletown Heritage Society. We operate Castle Hill Heritage Centre, a few miles due south of Dunnet Head, the most northerly point on the UK mainland. The remoteness of the far north of Scotland belies its one-time strategic importance during World War II, and from the outbreak of hostilities, Caithness found itself in the front line. The British fleet anchorage in Scapa Flow in Orkney lay only 20 miles away, itself an important strategic target, but with the threatened German occupation of Norway, the military authorities of the time were fearful of a limited invasion here in Caithness. This would not only deny the fleet its safe anchorage, but would also hinder the ability to patrol northern coastal waters and could have significantly affected the outcome of the Battle of the Atlantic. In late 1939, the site for a new airfield for fighter aircraft was chosen at Castletown. Construction began in early 1940, and on the morning of May 28th, as the evacuation of Dunkirk was just beginning, the station was officially opened with a complement of just one officer and ten airmen. Over the next few weeks, however, personnel, stores and equipment continued to arrive until on 7th of June 1940, just one day before the fall of Norway, RAF Castletown became an operational fighter station of Number 13 Group Fighter Command. At its height, the station's strength was officially just over 1,200 personnel, but when aircraft squadrons and operational support staff were included, the total number was probably closer to 2,500. This was a significant wartime operation and had a major impact on life in and around Castletown, with many of the village buildings, houses and land being taken over for operational or billeting duties. There remain to this day a great many physical reminders of RAF Castletown, but one item in particular, a tablecloth, is a unique and poignant memento of the service personnel who were based there. One of the navigational beacons for the airfield was located on high ground, farmed by the Custer family at Durham, a couple of miles west of the airfield. The servicemen that manned the beacon would regularly call in at the farmhouse, where good Caithness hospitality, tea and home bakes were on offer. Isabel Custer had the idea of asking the visiting men to sign their name before they left. Afterwards, she traced the signatures onto a square tablecloth, which she then hand-embroidered in various colours. Looking round the tablecloth, there are 125 different signatures captured there, the names revealing a fascinating mix of countries of origin of the personnel. After the war, many servicemen kept in touch with the Custer family, some even returning to visit. We were absolutely delighted when the tablecloth was loaned to Castletown Heritage Society a number of years ago by Isabel Custer's great-nephew, Ray Custer, and his wife, Pat, both of whom still live in the village. The cloth regularly features in World War II exhibitions and displays within Castle Hill Heritage Centre. Ray well remembers life on the farm and being told stories of the activities of the servicemen at RAF Castletown. I'm Ray Custer and this is regarding this tablecloth that my grand-aunt had made on the farm. The Custer family have been farming at West Durren 
since the early 1800s or maybe before. But they took over the tenancy of Hadaran in the early 30s or early 40s and then bought it in 1947. But it was to the brother and the sister, David and Isabel Custer, that moved to Laha, and that's where I was brought up. And it's her, Isabel Custer, that got the tablecloth done. And it was, I'm told, the signatures of Air Force people that came around the farm in the wartime. And she got all these people that visited the farm that autographed the name on this tablecloth. And then she embroidered afterwards, embroidered their names all in. These men came regularly, I'm told. They were, some of them were there working, doing things. And they always got the typical Caithness hospitality of a feast any time. The door was always open to them. As I've been told, this beacon was meant to be up on, on top of Bishop's Hill slightly further along the road and uphill. But most nights, I think, they sat at the end of the farm road and they walked down to the farm and that's where they had their hospitality. Whether it was any man on the beacon at the time or not, or did they just leave it going and came down? I'm not too sure about that, but and that's how I've been told it happened. The signatures on this cloth, there is British people. By the look of the names, there is some, some Norwegian and there's some Polish. So they must have been all involved and they running off the aerodrome and etc. at Castletown. But they all really got the same hospitality, no matter who or where they came from. There is even some local names still on it. Of the Polish one, I was told that they set up, or tried to set up, the first of the water generators. Took water away and diverted it from the mill that fed the water wheel, and built this mini wheel generator turbine and got it all running but it worked perfectly but it just wasn't sufficient water supply in the dam so that was well engineered but not enough water so a no-go afterwards but they put a lot of work into it and the theory is still used today to do a lot more water. Two of the people again there was a Mr Biddis and I know my aunt kept up with him regularly as with a lot of the others especially Christmas wrote in the summer but this Mr Biddis came back I remember him once at the half meeting him. And then there was Mr. Barnes. They came regularly twice a year. They, I went down there every year to Boat Ferry for two weeks in the school holidays when I was a kid, right up when I was 14. And I even took my wife there and got engaged to her in Boat Ferry, which wasn't my wife then. But, but they kept up with my aunt, Mr. and Mrs. Barnes, right up until they both passed away in the early 90s, which they must have been about 90 themselves by that time. I was brought up on the farm, approximately about two, two and a half miles as a crow flies from the aerodrome. In those days, the farm had quite interactive with the airspace. It was quite a large piggery on it, and they used to collect all the swill or the waste food from the canteens and bring it up to the farm and bring it back to the farm and use it for feeding their pigs. It was saving wastage, recycling nowadays. I still have an address book that my grand-aunt had, and there is an awful lot of names of all nationalities, British, foreign, that she kept up with. I've still got that book. I also have a photo album with a lot of photographs of these servicemen, but I don't know any of them. She put no names on them. I only know two that I have met later on in life that came to the farm, but the rest, I just don't know who they are. Can't place them.
The tablecloth, I've given it to Castaneda Centre for safekeeping on loan for as and when I decide I need it back, but I won't. <laughs> Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland.